Welcome back to Max's Morning Market Mania. Thank you, everyone, for joining. I'm Maxwell Kosmolski. You're listening to this on Monday, August 15th, 2022. So, anybody who tuned in last week, I have a kind of follow-up topic that we're going to be discussing first, have a few interesting topics, and we're going to start with the first one. U.S. budget deficit stands at $211 billion for just July. So, in the month of July, they spent... billion more than they received, our government, through taxpayer dollars. So the income in July was $269 billion, and they managed to spend $480 billion. And keep in mind, they are doing this while we are in a recession. We have raging inflation. Our government, they know that people are struggling, and they've illustrated plenty of times that they do not intend to raise taxes on anybody earning less than $400K a year. But... I mean, this money has to be made up somewhere, and they hired 87,000 IRS agents. With only 724 billionaires in the United States, I'm starting to think that maybe all these IRS agents aren't just for the billionaires. So this ties in because it's just a demonstration of how hopelessly irresponsible our government is with the spending. And you know who picks up that, that debt, that extra spending? It's us. I mean, they are spending our future taxpayer dollars. So what you and I are going to be paying in, into the tax system in the future, that's what they're spending right now. And I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I believe it's somewhere in the, in the ballpark of $650,000. That's what every single citizen in the United States owes the government when you factor in the $30.6 trillion, nas- $30.6 trillion national debt and along with the $130, $140 trillion in unfunded liabilities. Actually, that that number might be upwards of $160. Give or take, you guys get the point. They are being irresponsible with our taxpayer dollars, and you and I, we're going to suffer the consequences of that. So uh, the total deficit for uh, the fiscal year of 2022 so far has gone to $726 billion dollars. So they spent $726 billion more than they earned. And those numbers look like, all right, so they earned $4.1 trillion, and they spent $4.8 trillion. So we're going to have some fun paying that back. And you guys hear me rant about this a lot, but that's enough. Uh, take what you want from that. You guys probably already know, if you tune into this show pretty frequently, you already know that this government is irresponsible, and they love to spend like it's a contest. So, next topic. Kind of happy to hear this. CNBC came out with this. Two former J.P. Morgan traders found guilty in landmark spoofing case. So, we actually saw this happen in late 2019, and I've actually been aware of the manipulation in the precious metals markets, and it's not exclusively the precious metals markets. Uh, Back when they got busted at J.P. Morgan, they paid a $980 million fine, give or take, uh, it wasn't just for precious metals. It was for, you know, manipulating the treasury markets and uh, maybe the mortgage-backed security markets. I'm, I'm not certain on that one. But the bottom line is they were doing crooked activities. They were doing, they were criminals. I mean, manipulating the market for profit, it fucks over the little guy. And then, you know, they, they clean up. They laugh all the way to the bank while they're taking the money right out of our pockets. So this is further evidence of my suspicions of precious metals manipulation. I watch it happen on a regular basis. You know, gold and silver, they're an inflation hedge. You see 
new big inflation numbers, and then you see right after the New York Open, you just see, you know, it was an uptrend in gold and silver, and then boom, it just gets absolutely hammered. And what they do is they, it's called spoofing. They uh, sell short a massive amount of paper contracts for gold and silver, and since they're the biggest players in the industry, it absolutely destroys the price. And then they buy back their shorts at a cheaper price for a profit. And they do that on an extended basis. They've been doing it for years. Will it come to an end after seeing this? I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't think all the punishments are completely finalized, but I have some details here. So the bank's former global precious metals desk had Michael Nowak, precious metals trader Greg Smith, and salesperson Jeffrey Rufo charged by the Justice Department with racketeering and conspiracy in the agency's most aggressive case to date targeting manipulative, manipulative trading tactics known as spoofing. So NOAC, the uh, bank's former global precious metals desk, uh, he was convicted on 13 charges. Among those are spoofing, fraud, attempted market manipulation, and then obviously there's uh, nine or 10 others. Uh, Greg Smith, he was convicted on 11 charges, and the third guy, who was just the salesperson, he was actually fully acquitted. So this adds to my bullishness on precious metals, even though it might still create a temporary downside in the markets, especially with looming interest rate hikes. Uh, we, for a frenzy to start in this market, we need uh, two things. We either need a supply crunch, which is, it's absolutely inevitable, but we very easily could go 12, 24 months without seeing this supply crunch. And then the other thing we would need is the Federal Reserve to reverse course and continue on with their monetary policies, uh, you know, where they print money and uh, they, you know, they call it quantitative easing. So temporarily, you know, I think there's still downside. I don't think the markets have put in the full bottom yet. And, you know, historically, we see the choppiest times in the markets around November, or uh, pardon me, October. So we've got that month coming up in, a, uh, you know, 60 days or so. I do not think we've hit the bottom. And if we haven't hit the bottom in the stock market, then we will see further downside in the precious metals market. But I'm really hoping that something comes of this case. And, you know, these people that were convicted, maybe we can get some harsher penalties because it isn't just JP Morgan that's manipulating these markets. Uh, I don't know if uh, mainstream media has published any evidence or anything, but through my research, I have concluded that Bank of America is just as guilty as JP Morgan is. And that was starting after uh, the COVID uh, crash in March of 2020, when JP Morgan kind of got out of a lot of the market manipulation because they had recently gotten in trouble, and then Bank of America took over their shorts. So that's enough on that. On to our third and final headline. As you guys know, this is, uh, this is the new uh, edition of Max's Morning Market Mania. I just discussed three to five different articles relating to finance. I give you my thoughts. I interpret them. I tell you what we can do to benefit from it or what we can do to, uh, I don't know, avoid uh, crisis in our own lives because, you know, finance is everything. And if there's choppiness going on in the markets, that could mean damage to our retirement could be damaging to our finances. So 
With that being said, let's get on to this next one. It's an article from Zero Hedge. You'll see that right up there on the screen. Long-term returns are unsustainable. So I'll include these links in the descriptions. I encourage you guys all to read them. This is the most informative article of the three. It's, it's actually pretty interesting, and they actually quoted one of my favorite investing guys, uh, Jeremy Grantham. I've watched a lot of videos on him, read some of his articles and stuff. I'll get to that at the end of this uh, segment. So first I'll start with the common notion that you read in, in all these finance books, all these financial gurus. This is kind of what they say. They say dollar cost average your way into index indices like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Dollar cost average in for pretty much decades and then continue buying in, buy when it's low, buy when it's high, and then over the course of the long run, you run the numbers and in the past, there's been an average of a 10% annualized return. And that 10% comes from 6% in the appreciation of the stock prices and 4% from the dividends. But in the past, we've seen inflation at 2.3% on average. So that 10% return might look a little more like eight. And of course, these numbers are completely different now because now we're at eight and a half percent inflation. So we actually need higher returns for it to not be disadvantageous. So after the global financial crisis, and I'm tying this in because, of course, I'm bringing up the Federal Reserve again. After the global financial crisis in 2007-8, uh, returns for stocks or for uh, earnings for stocks jumped another 4%. So companies were earning even more money. So what changed after the GFC? Well, we know that the Federal Reserve pretty much just went to infinity and beyond with their monetary policies and their quantitative easing, printing money, buying up government debt. Uh, these are stimulations for the stock market. It's for earnings. And I guess we're good to bring up that graph that is in this article. I, there was quite a few charts. And this one was particularly interesting. You can see on the screen that the blue line, for those who are listening, I'll just describe what's going on. We see a blue line that's representing the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. And then the black line is the price of the S&P 500 index. And as you see, when the Federal Reserve increases its balance sheet, and that basically just means they're, they're printing money and they're buying up assets like mortgage-backed securities and treasuries and bonds, so they're printing money, they're increasing their balance sheet, and as it increases, coincidentally, we have seen the S&P 500 go up right alongside with it. So that ties in because after the global financial crisis, everything changed because the Federal Reserve committed to quantitative easing. They called it QE1, QE2, QE3, and then QE4, and now we're pretty much in QE infinity. Uh, well, not at the given moment because they have kind of reversed course, towards quantitative tightening and, you know, not printing as much money and whatnot. But the surge after, you know, the 4% increase in earnings and uh, corporate earnings, rather, uh, it was following the Fed's monetary interventions and zero interest rate policies. And what did we see after 2020? We saw the Federal Reserve go right back into quanti quantitative easing and zero interest rate policies. And what do you know? We saw all the stock market indices just go through the fucking roof. So 
Just to compare, uh, in 2000, earnings con contracted by 54%, and as you guys know, that was the dot-com bubble. It was an internet frenzy. You know, all you had to do was have dot-com in your name, you file on the New York Stock Exchange, and then your stock goes to the moon. It was, it was complete euphoria. It was hysteria. And in 2008, earnings contracted 88%. So I do think we will see something like this uh, until the Federal Reserve gets back to quantitative easing, which would be irresponsible, but they're in a pickle. And I mean, if they don't do that, they'll likely collapse the economy. Not imminently, but inevitably. So this article that they quoted in Zero Hedge by Jeremy Grantham, I, I found a few lines that I really wanted to read, so I'm gonna quote these. The article is, let the wild rumpus begin. All two sigma equity bubbles in developed countries have broke back to trend, but before they did, a handful went on to become super bubbles of three sigma or greater. In the US in 1929 and 2000, and Japan in 1989. There were also super bubbles in housing in 2006 and in Japan in 1989. All five of these super bubbles corrected all the way back to trend with much greater and longer pain than average. Today in the US, we are in the fourth super bubble of the last 100 years. And then a few lines down, it says, therefore, unless fe the Federal Reserve is committed to a never-ending program of zero interest rates and quantitative easing, the eventual reversion of returns to their long-term means is inevitable. So the conclusion of that is if the Federal Reserve does not return course with their zero interest rate policies and quantitative easing, it's very likely that we will see this bubble either start to deflate slowly or quickly. Hopefully it doesn't pop because that would be, tra that would be an absolute travesty. But until they revert back to zero interest rate policies and quantitative easing, we will likely see something like this, as we have seen in the past, where earnings go back to their long-term mean, go back down to trend. And, you know, I mean, if the companies are earning less money, then there will, there will be less incentives to invest your money in the stocks because the company is less profitable. Therefore, you know, seeing that we'll see the stock market gradually go down or maybe crash. So that's something to take note of. Uh, I always say this, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think the Federal Reserve will have no choice eventually but to do exactly that in reverse course, back to this cheap money policy, helicopter money and all that. And then we'll probably see this bubble reach its final stage. I really don't think we have seen the final stage yet. But I think we will see the final stage, and I'll leave it. I'll leave you guys with uh, the term that Ludwig von Mises coined, and he's a either 18th or 19th century historian. I think 19th century, or maybe it's 20th century. Uh, forgive me. I don't. I don't exactly know. But he coined the term "crack up boom," and that is basically how economic cycles go, especially when governments are printing currency and doing this zero interest rate policies, uh, what happens is it just, they call it crack up because it just goes up to the moon, it goes parabolic, and then the second part of that is the boom, and that's when everything goes to shit, it's when the chickens come home to roost, it's when everything that's out of whack reverts back to its mean and or worse, and that is what I, I believe it to be inevitable, maybe not in the next two years, you know, I would prefer that 
the stock market just goes up because it's profitable for me. But I truly hope that the Federal Reserve remains responsible and does what they can to, you know, not completely destroy the economy. And with that being said, we discussed a few articles. We talked about JP Morgan and their corruption in the precious metals markets. We talked about a Zero Hedge article, Long-Term Returns Are Unsustainable. Really encourage you guys to read that one. And then, of course, we talked about the budget deficit of our government. They spent $211 billion more than they earned only in the month of July. That's very irresponsible, and it's not sustainable. So, everyone, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. I would really appreciate it appreciate that. Post it on social media. And remember always, take what you like and leave what you don't. And do your own research. None of this is investment advice. And remember that it is very important that we all get our finances in order because no one's going to take care of us. The government sure as hell isn't. And we need to remain sovereign and independent, especially financially, because we do not want to be debt slaves to the system. So with that, thank you everyone for listening. August 15th, 2022. And that was Max's Morning Market Mania.